Good morning, Medical Education Podcast listeners. This is Kevin Eva again, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal, coming to you from a, a dark morning. It's early in Vancouver as I speak with Sarah Ross in the UK. Sarah is a Senior Clinical Teaching Fellow in the Division of Medical and Dental Education at the University of Aberdeen, and she has a paper about to be released in the December 2011 issue of Medical Education called Medical Students' Illness-Related Cognitions. Sarah, thanks for making the time to chat with me today. That's all right. Thanks for giving me a call. The paper is one that certainly got me thinking differently about some of the issues that have become hot in the field of medical education as as individuals talk and worry about burnout and anxiety and the health and wellness of trainees themselves. And I I realize that this is a project focused on the medical student aspect of some of those issues. I wonder if I could start by asking you to step back a little bit and reflect on the broader issue of concerns about physicians taking care of themselves and being in the position of having to convince other patients to do what they say rather than do what they do, given that there has been a history of evidence suggesting that perhaps people weren't taking their own advice. Is it that broader issue and concern at the physician level that got you thinking about how this might play out at the trainee level? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that there is quite a good literature and and a literature that goes back, you know, a good couple of decades on just how poor doctors can be at looking after their own health and how prone we all seem to be to trying to do our own thing. You know, maybe we we chat to our our colleague in in the corridor in the hospital rather than go and see our own physician or, you know, we prescribe medicines for ourselves and generally these things are thought to be probably less helpful and indeed the, the evidence suggests that actually doctors health is often poor and that we present late and that there are issues there so I guess what I was thinking about was we've made so little progress on it as a bigger issue then I guess there were two things there was one can we intervene at the stage of undergraduate medical education and that tied in with the work that I was asked to do here looking at how we teach professionalism and professional development to our students so it kind of all came together that way. Right. And so from that broader literature, do you have a sense of the barriers or the issues that seem to create some of these challenges you're observing? Is it simply that the physician community see access to their colleagues as more readily available and feel like they can't take time away from their practice in order to go visit a physician formally? Or are there other things that seem to lead people down this path? I mean, I think that practical issue is there. I'm not sure how much that really comes out from the literature, but it's certainly a factor that there's a difficulty in accessing care for yourself. And I think a big thing about your responsibilities to the team and to your patients. And so taking time away from work, taking time to be off sick, admitting that you are unwell in any way is a major problem. I think beyond that, you get into things about how difficult it is for a doctor to take up the sick role. I think there are a lot of things about medical culture and how we all tend to try and act like we're infallible and we're not going to get sick. I think there are big issues of just worrying about confidentiality. If you go to see a doctor about your illness, who's that going to get back to? You know, it may be somebody you know, it may be a colleague you work with. Again, there's a concern about, well, what are the implications? You know, if I go and I say that I'm sick, you know, will my physician feel the need to contact the regulatory authorities? Will I be in some sort of trouble? What will happen about my career progression? 
I think that's a big issue. And I suppose the other theme that I kind of saw coming out was, well, I'm capable of doing this myself. Why would I need to go and see somebody else? I'm a doctor. I can make a diagnosis. I can make a treatment plan. I think what you see in the literature is that things are a bit context specific so that the attitudes that you might have to a minor illness are maybe not the same as to a serious condition. And I think people would be, they would make that distinction and they would say, okay, well, there are some things that, you know, it would be okay for me to treat myself, but maybe there are some things that I really should go and see somebody else about. Hmm. So when you get that phenomenon presenting in medical students, I think I'm fair in saying that you were trying to look and see if that's where it begins. It strikes me as potentially contrasting with the commonly recognized med student syndrome. And for those who might be in other parts of the world where they don't use that phrase, but the notion that when one starts studying medicine, they start to imagine themselves having many of the conditions that they're learning about. How did you work through the challenge of trying to determine whether or not med student syndrome feeds into this or how it's overcome and eventually leads to physicians not getting treatment as rapidly as they perhaps should? It's an interesting point. What we did was a series of focus groups with medical students at a couple of institutions, and it was quite interesting that they themselves saw that issue, that on one hand they said, I'm seeing all these things, what if I have this, what if I have that? And they talked about worrying and they talked about being concerned about presenting to anybody else because maybe they would be perceived as just medical students who were worrying about things. And so that, I think, was one of the things that actually put them off seeking help as students and somehow seemed to feed into their attitudes about how people would look at them, how they would be perceived by their peers if they thought that they were ill, if they were ill. It kind of leads into that thing about, well, illness is a weakness that we don't want to be seen to have. But equally, I think the students were well aware that they were in the situation where they were going to have some panics about, you know, I had a lecture on this and now I think I've got it. So it was an interesting tension, I think, that came out from them. Mm, yeah, definitely interesting. It's almost as though the awareness of med student syndrome is having a revenge effect, so to speak, creating other problems. Yeah, you could say that. The reasoning that you were hearing from the medical students when you ran the 35 of them through these focus groups and tried to get a better sense of their thinking about illness and how they should be dealing with it, did it perfectly reflect the things that you've already said about what seems to impact on physicians in this realm? Or did you see that they were struggling with some unique aspects of trying to decide when it's appropriate to get health care? I think what was striking was just how similar the things that they said were in terms of, you know, we said to them, well, here's a hypothetical situation. If this were to happen to you, what would your behaviour be? What would you intend to do? And they were coming out even from year one of the curriculum saying, well, I'd try not to take time off work and I'd probably talk to my friends and I'd maybe try and manage things myself. And all the behaviours seemed to be there. And the underlying attitudes, some of them were very similar and they were about confidentiality and they were about how they would be seen by their peers. There were some subtle differences, though. The students seemed to be aware that there were limits to their knowledge and to their skill and that perhaps as, as medical students, they weren't going to be in the best position to 
look after their own health, which I think you don't necessarily see in qualified doctors. They seem to pick up on some of the patient safety issues that there might be, both with them working when they were unwell, but also if they took time away and weren't working. I think we were just struck how similar the attitudes were and and the fact that even the first year students seem to be trotting out the same kind of attitudes. And so we began to think, well, so where does this come from? One theory being that, you know, this is socialisation into the profession. This is perhaps the hidden curriculum and students pick up the attitudes and behaviours of qualified doctors. But, you know, if they're doing it at that very early stage, you start to think, well, is this actually more about the people that we're selecting? Is it about the type of people who become doctors that we are self-sufficient, that we are high achievers, that we tend to work ourselves pretty hard and these kind of things. So it started to make us think quite a lot about where do these things come from. Right, right. It just occurs to me as you were speaking that some of the issues you raise, I think I've seen anecdotally in colleagues who work with physicians but aren't healthcare professionals themselves. And possible that you could start looking at some other groups like that to see if it is taking on the identity of the physician or if it's more a factor of just working in the healthcare environment that makes people less likely to engage as the lay public would. Yeah, there is some some interesting comparative data out there. And for instance, if you looked at accountants, Mm -hmm. accountants don't take much time off work. And on the other hand, if you looked at, say, nurses, then, although I don't know the literature particularly well, I'm aware that sickness absence in the nursing profession is much, much higher Mm -hmm. than it is in doctors. So there are some quite interesting things in there about professional identity and about the conditions that you work with, perhaps the kind of illnesses that you get that may differ and may have an influence here. It's a really interesting issue that I think we need to look into a bit further. Yeah, it's a very interesting issue and clearly a complex problem in that there will be a lot of factors that have an influence. I wonder if I could wrap up our conversation by asking you, given the state of understanding at this current point, how do you find yourself counselling students or what would you advise others to do in terms of trying to help people develop the professional identity that is important for many aspects of practice without falling into some of the challenges that you're noting in terms of caring for themselves? I think primarily what you can do is just highlight it as an issue and you can say to students you're well now you may be well for a long time think about what it might be like if something did happen, whether that's something simple like you broke an arm or you developed a more serious illness. And so I think you can point out the professional behaviours that are expected and there are guidelines out there and I'm sure that the UK is not alone in that where you know it's suggested that you don't prescribe for yourself and that you do register with a GP. And so we can encourage those kind of things and I think perhaps bring up some of the challenges and say, look, you may face this and you may well see people who prescribe for their family or who treat themselves or who just go and ask one of their colleagues about their illness. You can say to them, think about whether that's something that's going to be the best for your health, whether that's something that's good for another professional to be asked to deal with. I don't know that we can do an awful lot more than just try this stage to highlight this is an issue and get them thinking about it and hopefully the state of the science as it were will move on a bit 
and we'll begin to get a clearer idea about why we end up in some of these situations in the first place so -hmm. that perhaps we're in a better situation to think about how we might intervene at what we might teach at undergraduate level that might have some chance of changing things in later years. Yeah, that makes all kinds of sense. It's an interesting problem on many levels, both intellectually and practically, and just out of concern for these individuals. And so I think I'd end by just congratulating you for taking it on. And I think your paper has gone a long way towards helping focus us on some of the underlying issues and moves us towards better understanding why, so we might be able to think about some further intervention and support for these individuals in the future. I certainly hope so. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think you've done a great job with this work. I encourage anyone who's listening to go and read it to get more information. The paper, as a reminder, is called Medical Students' Illness-Related Cognitions, and the first author is Sarah Ross. The paper will be published in the December 2011 issue of Medical Education, and as the sun slowly creeps up here in Vancouver, I'll thank you, Sarah, once again for your time and wish you the best of luck for your continued research. Well, thanks very much, and I'm very, very pleased that you agreed to publish it.